Hello and welcome to episode number 480 of Holy Crap It's Sports. I'm your host Pete Davis. It is a Wednesday. I keep thinking it's Friday, but it's Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. Yeah, September, tomorrow. Unbelievable. Man, what a big college football weekend we got coming up. Lots to talk about. Braves as well. It's a beautiful sunny day at the Sandy Springs Podcast Center and Laundromat. Once again, I'm your host, Pete Davis, here for the whole show. If you want to follow me on Twitter, go to PeteDavis1 at Yahoo.com. No, wait a minute. That's just Pete Davis1 on Twitter. PeteDavis1 at Yahoo.com is if you want to write me, idiot. Um, not calling you an idiot. I'm the idiot. Uh, let's see. If you want a T-shirt, Holy Crap It Sports, Kimmer Show, whatever you want, they'll do your own T-shirts at the farmhouseprintingco.com. Folks, down in Sonoya, Georgia, it's farmhouseprintingco.com. Always, uh, they'll print anything for you down there. It's amazing. Uh, what else you got? Oh, yeah, if you like the show, patron, please be a patron. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Just look up Holy Crap It Sports. It's right there. Appreciate it. All right, headlines for Wednesday, August 31st of 2022. Well, the Braves have lost again. Yep, they lost again. The Fernando Tatis Jr. saga continues. What's with all the sex at baseball games this last week? Yeah, we got another one. College football news. Rest in peace, Sir Big Spur. We hardly knew ye. Gamecocks have a new mascot. And South Carolina now leads the SEC and nation and how they deal with the NIL thing. You're not, they have a very revolutionary thing going on up there in Columbia. Speaking of South Carolina, Lou Holtz says he wrote former Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly eight letters over the 12 years. Kelly was in South Bend, but never got a response. We'll talk about that. The Falcons picked the underdog uh, to keep on their 53-man roster. Former Raiders head coach John Gruden speaks out after a long silence following his abrupt firing last year. It was October last year he got let go. Aaron Rodgers on the Joe Rogan podcast takes a shot at Keith Oberman. <laughs> Browns quarterback Jacoby Brissett has terse words for Deshaun Watson. An NBA star says he thought about ending it all during the pandemic. We got Pete's tweets, this day in sports history, birthdays you share with these guys and girls. So let's get started. Braves now in a three-game losing skid. All started when Kenley Jansen blew the save Saturday night in St. Louis. And remember what he said afterwards? He goes, I'm not going to lose a minute of sleep over this. Well, maybe you should. You don't have the stuff you had two, three years ago, Kenley. And frankly, Watching you go out there is almost akin to watching Will Smith go out there the last few years, and that really sucked that you should have already won that series there, the first two games in St. Louis. Instead, you lose two out of three, and now you lost the first one here against the Rockies, three to two. They wasted a Max Freed performance. They led early but couldn't hold it, leaving 10 runners on base. Ronald Acuna Jr. did not start because of extreme pain in his reconstructed knee. Now, he says he's feeling better, but he was not in the lineup last night. And people say, well, you know, we won it without him last year. Yeah, but remember, last year they had four guys to replace him. Duvall, Solaire, Rosario, and Peterson. Now they only have Rosario and while he's getting better, he's not the player he was last year yet. You can't lose at home to bad teams like Colorado and hope to catch the Mets, who have a softer schedule from now on. This was a time to make hay since the Mets have to play the league-leading Dodgers uh, next few days. The only good news is they claimed reliever Jesse Chavez. Excuse me. Mm, that breakfast bagel. Barking. They claim Jesse Chavez off waivers from the Angels. He supposedly he's going to be great in the clubhouse, and he pitched. He had like a one or two ERA here in Atlanta, but it ballooned up to almost eight out there uh, with the Angels. 
Uh, the Mets lead is still three games as they did not play yesterday. I'm going to take a sip here. What are we drinking today? Mm. <clears throat> Let's make a rum punch, shall we? Yes, that's shall we. Uh, Padres former player Fernando Tatis Jr. is added again. He was supposed to have another long-awaited shoulder surgery, but it's been postponed because now he has strep throat. Who over the age of 12 gets strep throat? Tatis says he looks forward to not playing next season, too, when he contracts bubonic plague and breaks his toe kicking armadillos in the desert. I'm, I'm gonna, I swear something else is going to happen to this guy. On the heels of the couple having oral sex at an A's game in Oakland, Malcolm's word a couple had full-on coitus during a Blue Jays game in Toronto, where there are a few more fans to watch than there usually are in the Oakland Coliseum. Seems you can see both bat and balls on the video, plus a really great snatch of a ball from an outfielder. The final score was a close shave, but there's really nothing like the crack of the bat at the old ball game. What is it with the sex going on? Randy people all over the place. Uh, college football. Let's get into something nicer here. South Carolina. Well, I was. Okay, this is sexually innuendo, too, in case there are kids in the car. South Carolina has revealed its new name for the university's live athletics mascot, formerly known as Sir Big Spur. The rooster will be called the General. Oh, I can see the. Uh, Shaq doing the commercials now after Revolutionary War General Thomas Sumter, a Palmetto State native. The five-year contract between Sir Big Spur's owners and the university expired August 1st, forcing a name change after partners Mary Snelling and Rob Albertelli previously handed over rooster duties on game days to South Carolina alums Beth and Van Clark, but they took issue with the rooster's look. Get this. This is, this is what they're arguing about. This is like um, the Silers down there in Savannah, deciding they're not going to let Ugga be the mascot at Georgia anymore. Okay, not quite, because Ugga is a lot more cool than Big Sir Big Spur. But anyway, here's what they're saying. We know Gamecock fans are passionate about our traditions, and seeing the live mascot at games and other events is something they look forward to, says South Carolina Deputy AD Eric Nichols. When we realized that we would have to change his name to keep that tradition alive, it seemed fitting to go back to where Gamecocks got started. Uh, reaction pretty widespread among the fans and media. South Carolina's decision makers went with historical relevance. They paid homage to Sumter, whose nickname was the Fighting Gamecock. Okay. It's as universal appeal and speaks to the university's roots with a historical perspective. So here's what some of the fans are saying. Chris Hummer, forever and always cock commander in our hearts. That's even the players thought they were going to choose cock commander. David Kloniger. Cock Commander was a nickname that floated around last week on social media and appeared to be a favorite among fans and quickly went viral. For obvious reasons, South Carolina went in another direction. <laughs> Imagine the signs on uh, if ESPN Game Day goes back to Columbia, what the signs could do with Cock Commander. Anyway, one of the reasons Sir Big Spur is no more because Rob Albertelli, uh, one of the owners of the bird, get this, this is this is the whole argument's about. They wanted the comb atop the rooster's head removed or clipped. Now, that's not like a hair comb. It's like a, you've seen what a rooster looks like. It's got that, that flap of skin on top of its head. It's a comb. That's what they call it. Anyway, it was customary prior to fighting the Gamecocks to shave that off or cut it off. Barbaric, yes, but that's what they did. Uh, the Clarks have kept the comb on the current mascot because, frankly, it looks better 
you see a rooster, it's like the Kellogg's rooster, you know, and the cornflakes thing. What does it have? It's not bald. It's got the comb on top. That's, that's what a rooster looks like to 99% of the people on this planet Earth. Uh, if you're still thinking that we should have Gamecocks look like they're fighting in a pen, I would look behind Albertelli's Albert backyard and see what he's doing back there. If he's that hell-bent on shaving that comb off of a live rooster, chicken, whatever, I know the difference. Um, I watched my grandmother ring a chi- literally ring a chicken's neck once. Just took it, picked it up, and wrung its neck. And then she chopped the head off, and the damn thing ran around the yard. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, here's what he said. A chicken is a chicken, but a fighting Gamecock is something different. This is dumbing down the Gamecocks. Whenever a new coach goes to a school that's been struggling, you always hear a statement similar to, you've got to change the culture. This guy's an idiot. Just my opinion. Unbelievable. Uh, let's see, South Carolina graduate and avid supporter Darius Rucker, you know him, the Grammy award-winning artist, is at the uh, university a lot for games. He wanted Darius Clucker. <laughs> you know, Hootie and the Blowfish type stuff, Darius Clucker. Actually, I think I would have gone with that. Former Fighting Irish and South Carolina head coach Lou Holtz says he wrote former Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly several letters over the 12 years that Kelly was in South Bend, but Kelly never found the time to write Lou back. Holtz claims all his letters were positive. As for Kelly now coaching LSU, Holtz says, quote, I'm sure he'll be very successful at LSU. He's been everywhere, but he's going to find that he's not going to be playing Toledo. He's not going to be playing Marshall. His conference is a little bit different, end quote. By the way, SEC teams do play Marshall. Uh, South Carolina is becoming the first major college athletic department to partner with a sports marketing agency, and they're going to have their own in-house name, image, and likeness firm, where the athletes of the Gamecocks will have free access to deal uh, in content generation and branding services. This is pretty smart. They've hired Everett Sports Management to launch Park Ave, an exclusive initiative that will provide NIL services for Cox athletes. South Carolina's Board of Trustees yesterday afternoon, Tuesday, approved the two-year, $2.2 million contract. Uh, let's see, ESM is based in Greenville, South Carolina. I love that town. It's a nice town. Uh, it represents NFL players like Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, and Jonathan Taylor and has several NIL uh, marketing deals with college kids like Miami basketball players. Uh, let's see, Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett the fourth, and Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall. Uh, South Carolina state law allows schools to help athletes secure NIL deals. Other states place restrictions on how involved schools can be in the process. Those states are losing athletes as we speak. The NCAA, in a mad rush to remain relevant, is thinking about ending the practice of postseason bowl bans for teams called cheating, which sounds like catch and release to me, frankly. I guess uh, one of George Soros's. Uh, DAs is now in charge of the NCAA. Meanwhile, CBS Sports' Aaron Taylor, or the human thumb, as I like to call him, he's like a thumb with a face, predicting that the Gators will upset Utah and Gainesville. Did you ever think that Florida would be an underdog at home to the Utes? Paul Feinbaum also says the Gators will prevail, and I agree. Uh, Michael Hanich of Saturday Down South has some good news. On Sunday, Eastern Kentucky head coach Walt Wells suffered a cardiac episode that left him hospitalized. Now, that's not the good news. Uh, yesterday, Wells' wife updated his and says he's stable and breathing on his own. 
uh, happy to report he is now breathing on his own. They removed the vent and he's breathing. Thanks for all the prayers and thank you, Jesus. More updates later. He's a tough old bastard, end quote. Okay. I think it's the first time I've ever heard the good Lord's name and tough old bastard used in subsequent sentences, but okay. Eastern Kentucky is set to start its season on the road against Eastern Michigan in a huge Eastern tilt. That's on Friday. Gary McKeek is serving as the acting head coach while Wells is recovering. Uh, week one of the college football season is here as it is a fresh start for 13 of the 14 teams in the SEC. I'm calling it week 1.2 because we started kind of last week, but anyway. Uh, last week, Vanderbilt uh, dominated Hawaii 63-10 on the road behind the four-touchdown performance of quarterback Mike Wright. So on Tuesday, ESPN's Bill Connolly released his first weekly SP Plus predictions based on a computer model as opponent and tempo-adjusted look at the most sustainable and predictive aspects of college football. It is intended to be predictive and forward-facing. I have no idea what the hell that sentence means. I, I, what does this mean? Opponent and tempo-adjusted look at the most sustainable and predictive aspects of college football. It's people like Bill Connolly who are sucking the fun out of college football, even though I do read it. Uh, the biggest game of the conference is not projected to be close. Number three, Georgia, is predicted to beat number 11, Oregon, 36-17. to 17. Another highly anticipated ranked versus ranked matchup. Uh, could come down to number 19, Arkansas, predicted to beat number 23, Cincinnati, 29-26. Number 7, Utah, is predicted to win in Florida, 29-28. Hmm. Uh, here's a look at what the SP Plus model predicts for the rest of the action. LSU, 28, Florida State, 24. Missouri, 41, Louisiana Tech, 19. I think LSU wins bigger than that, actually. Uh, Missouri will probably win, yeah. Tennessee, 46, Ball State, 15, yeah, yeah. Ole Miss, 39, Troy, 12, yeah, that should work, hopefully. Texas A&M, 38, Sam Houston, 7, yeah. Vanderbilt, 31, Elon, 19, okay, yeah, I, I get that. Auburn, 42, Mercer, 8. I think Mercer will be a little closer. Kentucky, 38, Miami of Ohio, 15, yeah. South Carolina, 32, Georgia State, 19. I'm hoping GSU gives them a better game than that. Mississippi State, 35, Memphis, 20. Uh, yeah. And Alabama, 48, Utah State, 11. If Utah State even scores 11. NFL news. Just a year ago, Jared Bernhardt won the Tuwaraton Award, which is given to the best collegiate lacrosse player in the country. Yesterday, he made the 53-man roster for the Falcons as a wide receiver. The 24-year-old played lacrosse five seasons at Maryland, helping the team to a national championship as a freshman back in 2017, was the national runner-up in 2021. Last fall, Bernhardt transferred to Division II Ferris State, which I always thought was in the Dakotas, but it's actually in Michigan, to play quarterback there. The team went undefeated, won the Division II national title, and Bernhardt rushed for three touchdowns in the title game against Valdosta State. He finished last season with 1,322 passing yards, 11 passing touchdowns, 1,273 rushing yards, and 23 rushing TDs. His performance at Ferris State led to a tryout with the Falcons, and he made the receiver to he made the move to receiver just in May of this year. He appeared in all three preseason games, had five catches for 102 yards and a touchdown. He looked like Julian Edelman running around out there. And frankly, I'm glad to see him in there. I'm glad to see that uh, he got he's like a Billy Rickman. If you go back a ways, you'll remember Billy Rickman. Uh, just not as Cajun. 
Former Raiders coach John Gruden, for the first time, has publicly addressed the email controversy that cost him his job. Uh, Gruden has filed a lawsuit against the NFL, alleging the league singled him out, and he spoke yesterday at the Little Rock Touchdown Club. Gruden, who's now 59, said he was going to be honest. I'm this is quote. I'm ashamed about what has come about in these emails, and I'll make no excuses for it. It's shameful. But I am a good person. I believe that. I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. I've got three great boys. I still love football. I've made some mistakes, but I don't think anybody in here hasn't. I just ask for forgiveness, and hopefully, I get another shot. End quote. And by the way, they all applauded him there. Uh, Gruden's lawsuit has claimed torturous interference, which is true, in my opinion, by the league and Commissioner Roger Goodell, who selectively leaked his emails to force his removal. And get this, and even ESPN admitted this, of the 650,000 emails collected in the investigation, Gruden's were the only ones made public. You're telling me of all those other 650,000, nobody else said something untoward or, or that the media could grab hold of. Uh, he said they were written when he was an ESPN employee. He started to tear up as the crowd applauded. He says, I get choked up, you know, because there are a lot of misunderstanding out there right now. What you read, what you hear, what you watch on TV. Hell, I worked at ESPN for nine years. I worked hard at that job. I don't even want to watch the channel anymore because I don't believe everything is true. And I know a lot of it is just trying to get people to watch, but I think we've got to get back to reality, end quote. Gruden also told the group in Little Rock he'd love to coach the Razorbacks. Uh, sorry, John, that position is filled at the moment and probably will be for quite some time. But uh, yeah, that's, I don't think John Green's ever going to be back in the NFL or ESPN, to tell you the truth. I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, appearing on the Joe Rogan podcast, took a shot uh, for once. Speak shot, get it, against sports muppet Keith Olbermann. Rogers mocked the former respected sportscaster for wanting him to join the herd and comply by taking the impotent China virus jab, which Aaron has refused to do. And Rogan agreed, saying about Olbermann, that guy is the gift that keeps giving. He's effing hilarious, unintentionally hilarious, like he's a character in a movie. I love it. I hope he keeps talking. By the way, awfulannouncing.com which does a good job doing a lot of stuff, had one of their writers, Brandy or something on there, just totally defending Olbermann. It was slobbering. Come on. It, it basically, shining his you-know-whats to a glossy sheen. It's like, come on, man. Who, who still respects Keith Olbermann? No, nobody ever worked with him and likes the guy. As for the Cleveland quarterback situation, Jacoby Brissett was asked how tough it is to try not to be Deshaun Watson on the field. Here's Jacoby's quote. It's very easy for me not to be Deshaun, end quote. There's a little shot for you. NBA news. Clippers guard John Wall says he thought about suicide while watching his mother die of breast cancer at her bedside, then losing his grandmother all while he was recuperating from a torn Achilles tendon, and all of this during the China virus pandemic. He says pretty much if it wasn't for the rest of his family, he would have killed himself. That's rather sad. I hope he's gotten some... Um, his mother uh, battled it for three years. My mother beat breast cancer twice. It was not what got her in the end, uh, but she beat it twice. Uh, golf news. Cam Smith leads another group of golfers leaving the PGA Tour for the moolah of the Live Tour. Smith is telling Golf Digest that his decision was both financial and schedule-related. Money was definitely a factor in making that decision. I won't ignore that or say that wasn't the reason. It was obviously a business decision for one and an offer I could not ignore. We're going to make him an offer he can't refuse. 
The biggest thing for me joining is the schedule is really appealing. I'll be able to spend more time at home in Australia. Why? And maybe have an event down there as well. I haven't been able to do that, and to get that part of my life back was really appealing. Well, it's probably a shorter season. They only play. And this, I can't believe golf hasn't done this already, is cut a lot of these tournaments, like the Greater Greensboro Open, places like, not to not Greensboro, it's a lovely place, but do you really need to play four days and just take up the entire week and you know a three-day golf tournament friday saturday sunday to me seems to you can figure out who's the best now i know it's it's supposed to be longevity and golf is always played for and it'll always be played uh four-day events for hopefully the majors but for the other ones three-day events is fine with me I, i i have a hard time watching thursday golf when it's not a major just me anyway uh, but, but, but Harold Varner III uh, went on Instagram and thanked the PGA Tour, calling it a life changer, allowed him to make something out of my life. But now I'm going to live for the money. <laughs> the opportunity is simply too good a financial breakthrough for me to pass by. I know what it means to grow up without much. This money is going to ensure that my kid and future Varners, like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, will have a solid base to start on and a life I could only dream about growing up. It'll also help fund many of the programs I'm building with my foundation. I'll continue to forge pathways for kids interested in golf. This note is a receipt for that. So if you did grow up uh, poor like the Varners did, I know most golfers don't, but some did, uh, yeah, how can you turn that money down? Come on. Uh, Tennis. The 2021 U.S. Open champion Emma Raducanu has lost her chance to defend her title. Uh, France's Alizé Cornet upset the British star in straight set 6-3-6-3 in the first round Tuesday night. Now, I'm actually concerned about Emma. She really hasn't played well since the U.S. Open. Um, they a little okay at Wimbledon, I believe. But anyway, she, I saw in one of my magazines that Porsche sends me every three four months. She's now a spokesman for them. She's like, like a like one of their influencers because she drives a Porsche and, she, and they put her in there. I think she has been so young. She's been overwhelmed with all the stuff off the court, the attention that came with winning the U.S. Open. She was the first qualifier to ever do it. She came out of nowhere. People heard of her, but no one expected her to even get past qualifications that much. And she won it last year. Well, now she's out in the first round. By the way, Osaka, Naomi Osaka has also gone too in the first round. There's somebody else that I think uh, the game is just – She's decided this is not for her. But anyway, Radicanu still has time to turn it around. I know I'm mispronouncing her name, Radicanu or whatever. But anyway, she's a pretty young girl, very smart in other interviews and everything. Seems very nice. But she needs to concentrate on tennis. And the off-court stuff seems to be getting in the way. Just, just my opinion. And can Serena Williams please lose soon so we can enjoy the Open without having to live through any more worship services? Uh, retire already i'm kind of tired of it I, i'm just so uh, she is the greatest female tennis player of all time the only person i think that could stay on the court with her and beat her maybe three out of every ten times would be martina navratilova everybody else i think she wipes the court with when she's in her prime all right but i'm tired of it i'm just i'm just over this this worship of putting putting people that just do something with a ball on a pedestal as if they're gods that walk amongst us, okay? She has done some really pretty nasty stuff in her time. That The stuff that she said about opponents, stuff she's done on the court. The hero worship gets me uh, about any athlete, no matter who it is, no matter how. What, look, at, look at Tom Brady, what they've done to Tom Brady now. 
put him up on there, and he was perfect. He had the perfect life, the perfect health. Did you see him last weekend? He looked like he hadn't slept in a week. He hadn't eaten anything in a week. He looked gaunt. He looked disheveled. He looked beaten down by life. It's putting people on pedestals, you know, that's a, that's a lot of pressure. Like, like John Wall, who was put up there, and he just, you know, it almost broke him. Uh, soccer news, Barcelona, Barcelona striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has suffered a broken jaw during a robbery at his house. We talked about this earlier this week. Uh, he was assaulted in the early hours Monday morning. A gang broke into his home. They came in with firearms and iron bars. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Ozzy Osbourne's leaving America because we, all we have is gun violence. Uh, don't they have strict gun laws in Spain? Isn't that Europe? Yeah, I think it's Europe. Um, how did they get hold of guns? That only happens in America. Anyway, so they burst in there. They handcuffed him and his wife while their kids were there. Okay. Uh, let's see. The former Arsenal striker uh, broke his jaw during the break-in. He's going to be out for three weeks. They were thinking about moving him to Chelsea, Barcelona was, and that's going to probably going to be put on hold right now. So, I mean, that's, how scary is that to be handcuffed with your wife and your kids are in the same room and you can't the same house and you can't do anything about it? Jeez. Uh, that's on a lighter note. The Onion asked parents why they won't allow their kids to play football. I'm going to take a sip of the old rum punch here. I was watching uh, my new favorite show, Resident Alien, the other day, and they had a birthday party, and they actually did the old – they had a punch bowl. When was the last time you were at a party with a punch bowl? I can't remember. It, it may have been high school. No, it was college. Uh, this is really bad. Uh, my friend Brantley had lived down – he was an urban pioneer back in the early 80s. It lived down there on North Avenue, kind of by the behind the Krispy Kreme donut. And uh, back then, it wasn't a nice neighborhood. <laughs> it really still is at all. It's better, but it's not like it, it, you feel totally safe there. And he had a a party, and this was these were parties where people from Athens would come over, like people from the B-52s or Love Tractor or something. Someone once said one of the REM guys were there. I don't know if that's true or not. It was the kind of house that if you went in to use the bathroom, you had to straddle the floor in front of the toilet because there was a hole in the floor that you could fall through down into the basement. And you could look at the people down partying in the basement while you, anyway. But anyway, they had a big garbage can. It was their punch bowl. And they had someone found a cardboard cutout of Jesus. It was about five feet tall. And it was Jesus pointing at something. And they had it pointed at the garbage can, which was full of hunch punch. And they were calling it a screaming, a giant Jesus screaming punch party is what it was called. Totally, I mean, blasphemous. I feel bad having any part of that. But I think that was the last time I went someplace that had like a, a punch bowl punch can or something going on there i miss that guy there's nothing like a good punch i used to make it on new year's day back when the that day meant something for bowl games it, you know you got up early in the morning you watched the gator bowl then you went by and i would make a punch with uh sherbet and ginger ale and cheap andre pink champagne and i'd start drinking every score i'd take a I'd dip the cup in there and take a drink by the end of the gator bowl i was feeling good by the time the Outback Bowl would start, I was feeling really good. By the time the Rose Bowl game started at 4 p.m., I was drunk as Cooter Brown. And by the time that game ended and the Sugar Bowl started, I didn't even know who was playing. But I don't do that anymore. 
unfortunately. Anyway, okay, the Onion has asked parents why they won't allow their kids to play football. Here are some of the responses. I'd rather live vicariously through a baseball player. I've already compromised his brain's development by sending him to public school. It's the only way to ensure that he will never have to suffer the miserable fate of being a Detroit lion. <laughs> I don't want him to be distracted from his duties as equipment manager. He's already so ugly, I'd rather he not be concussed as well. If anyone's going to do irreparable damage to my son, it's going to be me psychologically. The school's mascot isn't racist enough. <laughs> I think it's pretty concerning that there's still no rule that a dog can't play football. And finally, the number one reason parents won't let their kids play football. My son is 54 years old. And if there isn't enough insanity around politics these days, ESPN loudmouth Stephen A. Smith says he is considering running for president of the United States. I'd settle for him being the new White House spokesman, as long as Skip Bayless can shout questions at him from the gallery. That would be fun every day, wouldn't it? Uh, let's see. It would beat that uh, lady latrine that's doing the job now. Whew. About as smart as a small soap dish. On this day, August 31st, 1972, Soviet gymnast Olga Corbett won the balance beam and floor exercise gold medals at the Munich Olympics. Uh, followed the gold in the teams all around, too. Uh, also on the same day, American super swimmer Mark Spitz wraps up the Olympic butterfly double with a world record in the 100 meters in Munich, having already won the 200 meter and world record time, just over two minutes. Uh, on this day in 1987, Curtis Strange set golf's earning re record for a year. This was the record all time on the tour. 1987, Curtis Strange, for the entire season, Earned six hundred and ninety-seven thousand dollars, three hundred eighty, six hundred ninety-seven thousand three hundred eighty-five dollars. Rory McIlroy here in Atlanta last Sunday played Scott Scheffler one hole, the 18th hole. Winner took eighteen million. Uh huh. Also in the same day in '87, the Great Potato Incident. Minor League Williamsport Bills catcher Dave Bresnahan attempted to lure an opposing base runner off third base using a potato carved to look like a baseball. The umpire called the runner safe, the catcher was fined $50, and the team released him. Today he'd be a superstar. Back then they released the poor guy. Uh, of course, you remember the time uh, John Dillinger once carved a, uh, a gun out of a bar of soap and used shoe polish to paint it black and talked his way out of a jail cell somewhere in the Midwest by pointing the gun at the guard. Anyway, uh, potato incident. The guy would be a hero. I wonder what ever happened to Dave Bresnahan. Uh, 1991, Houston quarterback David Klingler set the NCAA record. Six touchdown passes in the second quarter as the Cougars clobbered Louisiana Tech 73-3. The poor guy was drafted by the Bengals. And if he had gone somewhere else, maybe he would have made something, but the Bengals just, they clobbered him. Speaking of clobbering. 1994, the Pentium computer beat world chess champion Gary Kasparov. He was not happy. Birthdays, August 31st, 1875. Eddie Plank, Hall of Fame pitcher, won World Series in 1910, 11, and 13 for the Philadelphia A's. Born in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, died in 1926. 1877, Lizzie Arlington was born. She was the first woman to play pro men's baseball in 1898 for the Reading Coal Heavers in Pennsylvania. She was born in Mahane. Mahanoy City, Pennsylvania, died in 1919. In 1878, Frank Jarvis won Olympic gold in the 100-meter 
1900 Olympics, which might have been in St. Louis. He was born in California, Pennsylvania. Died in 1933. 1915, August 31st, Pete Newell, Basketball Hall of Fame coach at San Francisco, Michigan State. Uh, won the NCAA Men's Championship in 59. Uh, was at Cal Berkeley. Won Olympic gold in 1960. Was born in Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> Died 2008. 1931, Jean Bedevo, Canadian Hockey Hall of Fame center. Won the Hart Trophy in 56 and 64. The Art Ross Trophy in 56. The Conn Smythe Trophy in 65. Won a record 17 Stanley Cups. Born in Trois-Rivières, Quebec. Died in 2014. Played for the Les Habitants. 1935, Frank Robinson, Hall of Fame outfielder, manager, 14-time All-Star, National League MVP in 61, AL MVP in 66, World Series championships with the Orioles in 66 and 70, uh, born in Beaumont, Texas. My sister was born there. Uh, he died in 2019. It's really been that long. And uh, he also played for the Cincinnati Reds. They thought he was washed up, so they sent him to uh, Baltimore. He was not washed up. 1949, Jim Fossil was born, football coach at Utah. In the 80s, the New York Giants from 1997 to 2003. He was born in Anaheim, and he died last year. 1954, former Brave Claudel Washington, outfielder, was an all-star in 75 and 84. Won a World Series in 74 for the Athletics. Uh, born in L.A., died a couple of years ago. I'd forgotten he had passed away. Claudel Washington. Uh, still remember, I was at the, uh, what was the Commodity Exchange Bar, which is uh, a in that strip mall across the street from North Lake Mall. And we were watching that Braves incredible streak where they won 13 games in a row. What was that, 82, I want to say? And they started 13-0, and and I remember they were about to lose to somebody late, and Claudell Washington was up, and we're all in the bar watching it, and he hit a, he hit a screaming grounder up the middle that got passed, and a run or two scored, and the Braves won, and we just went nuts. And we were stupidly drinking Yukon Jack shots that was a mistake that was a big mistake uh let's see what else we got here uh, august 31st 1955 edwin moses a 400 meter hurdler two olympic gold medals born in dayton ohio lived here and went to school here in atlanta 1957 tom candiani a pitcher for the dodgers a knuckleballer born in walnut creek california i have uh, an ex-girlfriend that uh, was from there and and we got back in touch with each other she uh, two or three months ago, out of the blue one night, I get a ding on my phone. I haven't talked to this lady since 1988. And she's like, oh, I saw a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours is on Facebook. And you, you posted something. And I saw it. I was like, oh, so, and so it's pretty cool to be back in touch with somebody after so long. 1968, Jennifer Azee, a basketball guard, Olympic gold in 96 here in Atlanta for America, born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I hope I'm pronouncing it right, A-Z-Z-I. Uh, 1971, Patrick Harrington was born. Uh, Padra, whatever. Irish golfer when the British Open in 07 and 08. Uh, let's see, also uh, born in Dublin, Ireland. 1979, Ramon Santiago. Dominican baseball infielder. He was a coach, too. Remember this name. This is a great trivia con uh, contest question. Ramon Santiago, the only player in Major League history to hit a walk-off Grand Slam home run in his last at-bat. What a Talk about The only way to, to top that is if you won the World Series in Game 7 doing it. 
He was born in Las Matas de Farfan, Dominican Republic. 1983, Larry Fitzgerald, a wide receiver for the Cardinals, born in Minneapolis. I don't know if he's retired or not. Uh, let's see, 1984, Charles Schwartzel, South African golfer, won the Masters in 2011, born in Johannesburg in South Africa. Uh, we got some dead people August 31st. 1969, a tragedy, Rocky Marciano. Uh, American boxer, the undefeated world heavyweight champion from 1952 to 56, died in a plane crash. He was just 45 years old. My uncle used to ta- tell me stories about him. He was just amazing. Uh, he had seen a box, and he thought he was the greatest boxer he'd ever seen. So, 2007, Gay Brewer, golfer, uh, won the U.S. Masters in 67, died of lung cancer at 75. In 2020, we lost John Thompson, Hall of Fame center, coach, and broadcaster, Won NBA championships in 65 and 66 with the Celtics. He was coach of the NCAA championship Georgetown Hoyas in 84. He died at the age of 78. And finally, two years ago in 2020, we lost Tom Seaver, Hall of Fame pitcher for the Mets and other teams, White Sox, Reds, Red Sox. Nationally signing award winner in 69, 73, and 75, 12-time All-Star. He died of Louis body dementia and uh, COVID-19. He was 75. Weddings on August 31st, 1940. Football player and coach Vince Lombardi was 27 when he married Marie Planets at Our Lady of Refuge Church in the Bronx. Hmm. All right, I'm going to take a sip, then we're going to... Wait a minute. Where's my damn phone? Alexa, call my phone. I'm going to find it. I don't know where it is. Sorry, it was in the other room. I'm an idiot. All right, let's look at Pete's tweets here. All right, best. Oh, wait a minute, this stupid phone. Let me hang up on it. Sorry. Uh, best. See, you only get this on live podcasts. Uh, best winning percentage as a starting quarterback uh, in the Super Bowl era with a minimum of 40 starts, okay? Patrick Holmes has a 794 winning percentage. He's 50 and 13. Tom Brady at 769. He's 243 and 73. Lamar Jackson, uh, who is in the news, has a 755 winning percentage. He's 37 and 12. Someone posted uh, Lamar Jackson on Twitter wearing a Dolphins jersey, and Lamar Jackson liked it. And, of course, they're going nuts on ESPN about that. But anyway, Roger Stahlbeck, 746 percentage. He was 85 and 29. Joe Montana at 713 was 117 and 47. Peyton Manning at 702 percentage, winning percentage, 186 and 79. And right under, in fact, tied at 702 winning percentage, Jimmy Garoppolo at 33 and 14. I think the 49ers re-signing him, one, there wasn't a big deal out there for him because he's coming off that surgery, so maybe next year it will be better. Two, I don't think uh, that kid uh, out there is ready to take over with the 49ers. Just me. What do we got here? Nope, that's not sports. All right. Codify had this. Only 10 major league players have had multiple 50-plus home run seasons. Only 10. Babe Ruth, Jimmy Fox, two X's, Ralph Kiner, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, a cheater, not Mantle, but the guy after McGuire, the cheater, Ken Griffey Jr., Sammy Sosa, the cheater, Alex Rodriguez, the cheater, and now Aaron Judge. Hmm. Uh, no, that's not it. 
That's not sports. That's not sports. That's not sports. Okay. College game day host Reese Davis went on the Dan Lebertard show to respond to the Lee Corso concerns. Everybody's having concerns about he didn't sound good and look good uh, last Saturday when he was doing the show uh, from his house with the mascots. I had the same concern last year and the year before and the year before. People love him. As long as he can keep doing it, let him do it. He's 87. Reese Davis says his mind is still sharp as a tack. We're not debating that. It's whether the delivery is there and it's not. And it's hard to watch. It's hard for me to watch. Now, some people it's not. It's hard for me to watch. I'm not saying they should get rid of him. I'm just saying it's hard to watch. We had a couple incidents yesterday in Memphis, a truck. Uh, carrying alfredo sauce tipped over and the entire highway was white with alfredo sauce uh, almost the same time out in california a truck carrying tomatoes overturned and there was marinara sauce over the highway if only those two trucks had collided at spaghetti junction here in atlanta we could have been eating for days it could have been the world's largest olive garden what else we got here theo DeRosa tweets at mississippi state linebacker nathaniel watson talked about Memphis playing cowbells over their speakers in practice to prepare for Davis-Wade Stadium in Starkville. Uh, Nathaniel, quote, speakers aren't going to help them at all, end quote. (laughs) That's it for Pete's tweets. This date in uh, baseball history, August 31st in 1903. New York Giants future Hall of Famer pitcher, Iron Joe McGinnity wins his third doubleheader of the month. He beat the Philadelphia Phillies 4-1 and 9-2 at the Polo Grounds. Let me repeat that. He won his third doubleheader of the month. He pitched three doubleheaders in one month. And on the third one, he won both of them. Uh, On this date, 1909, A.J. Reach Company patented the cork-centered baseball. 1950, in front of 14,000-plus fans, Gil Hodges was the fourth major leaguer of the century to hit four homers in one game. He tied the major league record of 17 total bases. The Dodgers' quartet of round-trippers hit off different Boston pitchers, and with Carl Ferrillo on board every time, helped the Brooklyn win 19-3 over the Braves at Ebbets Field. August 31st, 1957, Gus Triandos, considered one of the slowest base runners in baseball history, (laughs) hits an inside-the-park homer, and the Orioles win against Boston at Memorial Stadium. Uh, The backstop circles the bases when his vicious line drive off the outfield wall uh, bounces 100 feet past left fielder Ted Williams, allowing the 27-year-old catcher to complete his improbable round-tripper standing up. Uh, But that was kind of like Rick Kemp hitting a home run. Oh, same day, 1957, Orioles minor league fireballer Steve Dalkowski struck out 24 blue-filled players, but he issued 18 walks, hit four batters, and had six wild pitches. Uh, the wildness cost him the game when Kingsport lost in the Appalachian League contest 9-8. to 1965, Boston's backstop Russ Nixon, who later would be a... Uh, manager for the Braves and Reds, tied a major league mark when he hit three run-scoring sack flies. Hmm. Uh, that was the difference. The Red Sox uh, beat the Senators. All right. Once again, it's Kimmer sending absolutely uninteresting tweets to me. Let me see what this one says. Uh, no. Anyway, 
What else we got here? 1968, August 31st. Elroy Face tied Senators Walter Johnson's mark for appearances with one team, went into a game for the 802nd time for the Pirates. He replaced Steve Blass, who remained in the game in left field and returns to the mound after the reliever retires one batter to equal the record. I don't know why they don't do that more, frankly, when you have an athletic pitcher that can play the outfield. Uh, put Shohei out there before the final out and Pittsburgh's win over the Braves an announcement informs the crowd that Detroit has bought the Bucks veteran right-hander uh, record breaker so they let him in the game knowing they're probably about to trade him so he could do the record and then they would trade him August 31st 1969 Morgana the well-endowed fan look her up dressed in a mini dress, jumps onto the Atlanta Stadium field and kisses Cleet Boyer, one of my favorite, on the cheek as he's batting. The Braves' third baseman promptly ends a 1-for-17 slump with an RBI and goes 8-for-15 after that. I told you before, he's one of my favorite third baseman and walked into a uh, baseball card store up in Cooperstown, and there Cleet Boyer was there uh, with his son, and they couldn't be nicer. They talk, We talked to him. They lived in Lithonia in the offseason. They come up there and – and uh, sign some cards up there in Cooperstown once a year or twice a year. And they, both of them couldn't have been nicer gentlemen. 1990, Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. became the first father and son to appear in the same major league lineup. Uh, senior was 40 years old left fielder, uh, 20-year-old junior. Uh, they score a run in the Mariners' win over the Royals. Hmm. They both score. 1990 on the same day, refusing to part with AAA third baseman Scott Cooper, to get Larry Anderson from the Astros for the stretch run, Red Sox GM Luke Gorman trades the Eastern League's MVP, a guy by the name of Jeff Bagwell, for the right-handed relief pitcher. Uh, Bagwell will just go on to be the National League Rookie of the Year award, uh, became the team's MVP. Anderson hurled 21 innings and 15 games in Boston, retired from the Phillies in 1994. Scott Cooper never really became much, to tell you the truth, and Bagwell's now in the Hall of Fame. Boy, that was, a, that was a bad trade. Why isn't that mentioned up there with the Lou Brock, Ernie Brolio trade? It really should be. 1992, the A's trade Jose Canseco to the Rangers for Ruben Sierra, who was, man, he what a hitter he was in his time, Bobby Witt, and, which is the father of that Witt kid at Kansas City now, and Jeff Russell, and an undisclosed amount of money. Those are three pretty good players. Uh, Canseco uh, hit 45 homers and hit 269 in three years in Texas. August 31st, 1997, Braves outfitter Andrew Jones hits the club's 10th Grand Slam of the year, breaking the National League mark for, uh, for uh, Grand Slams in a single season. Ironically, the team sets the record in an American League park when Atlanta defeats the Red Sox at Fenway 7-3. I was there. I was there. I, I've got the T-shirt. Me and the late, great Jack Kennedy and Bill McCluskey and a bunch of people from um, – uh, and Brett and so many people from Manuel's Tavern decided to go up there. Uh, you talk about, it changed my life because I, I, I literally got alcohol poisoning on the flight up there. It changed the way I drank, tell you the truth. It changed everything. Uh, Steve Holman was up there for it. It was, it was just uh, everybody was anybody was up there for that series. And we did nothing but bar hop and go to ball games the entire three or four days. It was such a blast. It was my second trip to Boston, and Jack had lived there, and he knew everybody. And it was just great. But the best thing, we're all sitting there at Fenway Park. The place is packed. And all the Red Sox fans, there were a lot of old Braves fans from Boston there. Everybody was so nice and just enjoying the whole – we 
plastered them. The Braves just crushed the Red Sox, the, the whole series, I believe. I think one score, Kevin Millwood won 22-4 to four or something. But anyway, um, and I, I said this before, Andrew Jones hit a home run, and it may have been this grand slam, hit a ball so hard, the hardest ball I've ever seen hit was him over that green monster. And McCluskey gets up and, and was being nice and yells down to Jack and me, hey, Jack, you want a hot dog? I'm going to get a hot dog. Do you want a hot dog? <laughs> and Jack goes, no, just give me the money. And I'm telling you, the entire section there, Braves, Red Sox fans, everybody was laughing their ass off. And Bill just looked at him like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to Anyway, sorry. That was, a, that was a Shakespearean aside. What else we got here? Here's sad news. In 2001, former Major League catcher Crash Davis, no relation, 82 years old, the name was the inspiration for the main character of the 1988 movie Bull Durham, the hit, died after a year-long bout with cancer. And the film, which is ranked number one at the greatest sports film of all time by Sports Illustrated, Kevin Costner portrays Crash as the veteran backstop of the Durham Bulls brought in to help a rookie pitcher reach the big leagues by sharing his experiences on and off the field. Is that the best sports movie ever made? It's up there. 2001, the Braves get Julio Franco from the Mexico City Tigers. I remember everybody laughed when they did it. Franco was leading the Mexican League, 437 average, hadn't played in the minors since 1997, went on to play several more years, was big on getting the big base hit. 2002, losing their 13th straight game at Shea Stadium, the Mets complete the worst month at home in National League history. <laughs> With a 1-0 loss to uh, the Phillies, the Amazons joined the Seattle Pilots in August of 69 and the Tigers in September of 96 as teams that have not won a home game in a calendar month with at least 10 games. Hopefully they'll continue that for the month of September uh, this year. 2004, August 31st, equaling the largest shutout margin of victory in history, the Indians route the Yankees 22 to nothing. It's the biggest defeat in the Bronx Bombers' 100-year history, matches the 1975 Pirates' performance against the Cubs at Wrigley. 2010, Jeff Francoeur is traded to the Rangers by the Mets in exchange for infielder Joaquin Arias. The rifle-armed right fielder will be a right-handed bat off the bench and defensive replacement for the playoff-bound Texas team. 2011, Craig Kimbrell set the rookie record with his 41st save. Uh, he got the Braves' victory over Washington at Turner Field. The 23-year-old closer finishes the season with 46 saves, surpasses Neftali Feliz's uh, uh, saves record, established uh, last season with the Rangers. I think Neftali was a former Brave, too, traded in a Teixeira trade, I think. Chipper Jones smacked his 450th homer in the same game. Also, in that same time, in a stretch-run trade with Pittsburgh, the Braves acquired Matt Diaz for a player to be named later in cash. The 33-year-old outfitter played with Atlanta for five years. Hmm. Had a pretty good, pretty good career here. August 31st, uh, 2012. Bob Euchre, known for his humor, is honored by the Brewers uh, in a ceremony outside Miller Park, unveils a seven-foot bronze statue of the team's popular broadcaster. It depicts the smiling Mr. Baseball with his hands in his pockets, joins the likenesses of Hall of Famers Hank Aaron, Robin Yount, and Bud Selig in front of the ballpark. And in 2014, August 31st, in the Japanese National High School Rubber Baseball Tournament semifinals, Chukyo finally breaks the scoreless tie that had captured the nation's attention, getting three runs in the 50th inning to beat Sotoku High School. Both starting pitchers, Chukyo's Taiga, Taiga Matsui and Jukia Ishioka of Sotoku, 
go the distance throwing 709 and 689 pitches in the contest that takes four days to complete and avoiding the winner being decided with a random drawing if the tie remains after 54 innings. If you must ask, a rubber ball is a softer baseball which does not rebound off the bat as quickly as a hard ball, making the game safer for the players. You know, the way balls are coming back, like, like poor Jackson Stevens of the Braves got a concussion uh, smacked up against him the other night. You think that at some point they couldn't because all the records would be skewed. But, well, they're already skewed by the steroids and everything. But, huh, they're going to have to do something with the bat or the ball to make it safer because at some point somebody's going to get killed. It, it's just it's horrible out there. By the way, I failed to mention this earlier. Ronald Acuna Jr., there's talk about putting him on the 10-day uh, IL, which I have no problem with. If his knee's hurting him this bad, let him rest it for the stretch run. That's just me. Thanks to Saturday Down South and ESPN on this day, National Pastime, 24-7 Sports, and everybody else who helped me out, as I mentioned, alongside this lovely podcast. And before I let you go here, now Friday is going to be weird. Friday, I've got my long-awaited and overdue uh, day to take the car in for its year, in- year inspection and oil change and buy a couple new tires and they got to retrofit the side gills and everything which is going to take all day Uh, so i'm going to try and do one friday so we'll see what happens (laughs) i will try and be here friday let's see what else we got here Um, twitter see if we missed anything okay that's weird it's not um there we go Charlie Morton talking about Jesse Chavez to David O'Brien. Like any other work environment, if you're dealing with good people, that makes your day-to-day better. To have a guy like Jesse who cares about his teammates and organization, it just feels better and is better. Good, good, good. That's good. It looks like uh, Lenny United is playing tonight at 7 p.m. Who the hell are they playing? Uh, They are playing Philadelphia. Hopefully they will kick their ass. Uh, the Mets of Outrider, Yolmer Sanchez. Never heard of him. We'll keep going. And uh, remember, college football really gets going uh, this week. In fact, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, it starts, and then Friday and everything. Happy birthday to Falcons quarterback Desmond Ritter. Doesn't say how old he is, but happy birthday to him. Uh, dog Post says it's been 231 days since the dogs played a game which culminated in the first national title in two generations. So, good for that. All right, ESPN headlines, and I'll let you go here. As soon as this phone start, quits mucking with me, I'm going to throw it against the wall. I had a dream last night. I've eaten breakfast, so I can tell you. I had a dream last night that I was in a bar trying to remember uh, Dave Edmonds' song called Bail You Out. And uh, I was hitting on this girl at the bar, and this other girl looked at me and says, you need a new phone. And I said, you're right. So I probably need to go get a new phone. That's probably my subconscious telling me to get a new phone. Anyway, I don't know why I told you that. All right, there's nothing there on ESPN. Everybody have a great day, and uh, hopefully I'll see you Friday. And drink up, Shriners.